0: Hey, all, welcome back to the RAC Podcast. Last week, we were able to talk with a RAC nursing graduate turned an emergency room doctor, and her story was incredible. Today is another amazing story of a RAC graduate doing life changing work both here in our community and abroad. Since graduation, she has traveled to countries in West Africa to aid in the creation of pandemic preparedness, and led an advocacy effort regarding equal education opportunity for refugees. There's so much more to talk about,
1: so please welcome Elise Chesson. Thank you, it's such an honor to be here, uh, back again with the RAC community, and especially um, celebrating five decades of amazing work.
0: Yes, welcome. Thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to come in today. Absolutely. So I want to ask you so many things about all the projects and causes that you've worked on, but I would just like to start at the beginning, if that's okay. Tell me about your family life growing up
1: and how you were born to be an advocate, as some have said. So I was born in Toronto, in Canada. Humble beginnings. I'm uh, the oldest of four kids. And, you know, early on, our parents taught us uh, to be social justice activists, even when it wasn't popular. Uh, But we then moved to Montreal. So Montreal is home for me and where I often go back to visit.
0: Okay, awesome. So I read a little bit about your story. And can you tell me about the cultural exchange that you and your family had with
1: the First Nation community? Sure. So I remember vividly back you know, many years ago, we went and spent several summers in Cheshiguanin with that community. I think it first started as an outreach kind of effort, but I soon realized and looking back with that adult lens, you know, can see what, what it really was. I mean, Canadians, especially French Canadians, a lot of them have Métis backgrounds. So I think that looking back at that, my mom was also in search of her own identity, which is often washed away. But it was such a beautiful exchange. They welcomed us with open arms. And uh, from an early age, that was an opportunity for me to see other lives, other worlds, and uh, develop really unique friendships. Um, My mother is still in contact with some of them. And at some point in time, a couple of years in, uh, they actually came and visit us in, in Toronto. Oh, and wow. it was such a huge group that uh, my parents had to go knocking on doors on the street to see if any of their neighbors were willing to open up rooms for for that whole community. Oh, so wow. it was so beautiful. And those are fond memories.
0: That's, that's a really incredible story. So tell me how you got involved in the 2008 presidential campaign.
1: Sure. So I think that community uh, building and community organizing is something that I'm passionate about out um, no matter where you stand. 2008 certainly can be regarded as an, a year that created inspiration and change and social mobility and movement. You know, in that work and in my my role and being civically engaged, I think that was one of the, the first times in the United States that I really activated that passion. But one of the things that I had to do was go out and walk on the streets and connect with communities and individuals and find issues that united us. And I think that there's something Something powerful in people coming together for change, especially at the grassroots uh, level, you know, sure. Um, And just, you know, practicing my Spanish too. I I just love communicating and working with uh, diverse communities because I think that that's where change and inspiration really happens.
0: Oh, absolutely. I definitely agree. So tell me what initially brought you to RAC and when you kind of decided that you needed to further your education.
1: Sure. So RAC wasn't the first time I went to college. I did go to college in Canada and again in Northern Virginia, um, where I lived for six years before moving to Pennsylvania. But when my two kids, who are now 16 and 18, um, one of them who just started here at RAC on Monday, I'm proud to say, (laughs) um, when they went to school full day, I knew that it was my opportunity and chance and moment to, to get back into, you know, becoming a lifelong learner. Because mm-hmm. I think that if we really want to be effective in the change that we create, an education is that first starting point. So I didn't really quite know what to expect, but soon embraced this community and they embraced me back. That's awesome.
0: So I know after graduation, you got involved with the US AFRICOM team. So tell me what their work is like and how you got involved in that and, you know, just all those exciting details.
1: Sure. So Dr. Blakely uh, here at RAC was one of the first people in an official capacity uh, education wise that kind of introduced me to that cultural anthropology field and the study of international communities and culture and language. And so that was really a great rebounding for me to connect with that opportunity with US AFRICOM and the Center for Disaster and Humanitarian Assistance out of DC. They were looking for French speakers to kind of connect uh, with this effort that they had um, in West Africa. So we traveled to Togo, um, where we worked with continent leaders, U.S. AFRICOM, of course. And it was really a diplomatic effort and a humanitarian effort to help prepare countries uh, to respond to pandemics. And who knew that Ebola would soon happen after that? And I'm proud to say that, you know, our efforts as a team uh, really helped two countries avoid the spread of that pandemic. So, you know, lives were saved with that. And that's just such an amazing thing to have been part of.
0: Absolutely. So did you know that you would continue into a bachelor's program after you left RAC and after your humanitarian work?
1: One thing I'll say about RAC is that they're quick to identify people who are eager to learn, and they certainly inspire that curiosity in individuals. And so I didn't quite know what I was going to be doing, but, you know, with Mentorship, leadership opportunities, um, and engagement with you know all kinds of things that are offered on campus as far as student activities and the honors program. I quickly realized that there was a pathway forward, and through scholarship, I. I I'm not saying this you know, ego-wise, but I am proud to say that I'm a RAC graduate, that I was a summa cum laude, 4.0, with honors, and was an all-PA academic team recipient of that great scholarship, and that's what helped me continue on to go to Westchester, where I studied uh, political science, international relations, and peace and conflict studies.
0: Okay, so you participated in the leadership program and the honors program, as you mentioned. How else did RAC prepare you for your time at Westchester?
1: I mean, there are so many different ways. You know, I like to say this, and this is a compliment, but reality is, is that sometimes the community doesn't know all of the jewels that are here at RAC. They think of community colleges as a catch-all. But I, when I was here... realize that, you know, some of these professors are the same ones who are teaching at Penn State and all of the top universities, and they have such a wealth of information. So I think that, first of all, learning-wise, it was just a wealth of opportunities and door openings and mentorship. And like I said before, there are so many opportunities to get engaged from things as simple as the International Festival, where you could just taste amazing food from all over the world, to kind of having access to the arts through the Miller Center. So it just creates a new opportunity and a new vision and perception of what's around you and what's available to you. So I love RAC and I'm proud to say that I love RAC. It did so much for me.
0: Yes, I have to agree with you. The International Festival is definitely one of my favorite times of the year. I always volunteer to serve food because it's just amazing to watch all of the performances and see our students dressed up in their traditional clothing from their cultures and they get to share that with us and I think that's amazing.
1: Yep, I'm waiting for my daughter to tell me when it is because I will
0: certainly (laughs) try to tag along. Oh great. (laughs) So tell me about your first job with the Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service after you finished at Westchester.
1: Sure, so I served there as the employment program manager. Um, There are two parts to refugee resettlement, the initial resettlement where they're connecting people uh, to housing, uh, employment, education, vaccinations, all of that. Um, And then my work really was geared at creating that sustainability in the five-year term and connecting people to employment opportunities beyond that initial connection. And, you know, there I soon realized that there were some things that needed improvement. And, you know, a couple of the families that I was working with You know, their kids were 16, 17 and having difficulty enrolling in to high school. And so, you know, my job certainly was employment program management, but it expanded soon to to do some amazing work that I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about.
0: Sure. So I read the article on your LinkedIn page about your fight for Muhammad's rights and all the barriers that he and you faced along the way. So tell me more about that. And can you tell us his outcome eventually?
1: Sure. So Kasin was one of six refugees um, that we were working with. You know, early on, I had identified a few patterns that were happening where teens who were 16, 17, 18, um, who had little to no records of their academic efforts in the past and had, you know, barriers as far as language and communication and needed that extra ELL support uh, were being denied enrollment in Pennsylvania. The law states that you have access to education and a free and public education all the way up to age 21. And we all know what education can offer to communities of all kinds. And so, you know, I had identified that they were denying uh, enrollment to Kassin and several of his peers and tried really to work with the school district to find pathways to get them into, into school where they could learn. And, you know, it wasn't happening. We took it all the way up to the superintendent and eventually uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Education. But there was a lot of bureaucracy and, you know, there were lives at stake. We know that when one person is educated. It's a ripple effect. Their children get educated, their right. families get educated, and it's great for the economy and so many things. So I eventually took that case to the ACLU and Education Law Center after lots of work and research, and they picked up the case. I'm proud to say um, just recently, uh, Vic Waltzak, who's the head of the ACLU PA, was on a podcast and he was talking about this case, a case that has been written about in a book by a Columbia fellow called The School I Deserve. And he kind of, Looked back on this case and said, you know, it's still the only case that went to trial. It's a precedent setting case and one that allowed um, those refugees eventually to enter school. And it created pathways and opportunities for future ELL learners, immigrants, and refugees to also access education. Um, So it's an amazing thing and something I'm proud to have been part of and spearheaded. But you know, the point of sharing that story, I think, is just to say that one person can have amazing effects on communities and, uh, you know, when we actually take action uh, we can come together and create momentous opportunities for all kinds of people to access education. Sure. I love that story. When I was reading the article, I was
0: glued to it because I just thought, I have to know what happens. And it is it is just so a testament to what you can do as one person that you really can make a difference if you just have that drive and motivation, which clearly you do. I can hear that in your storytelling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of these refugees uh, went through... S- turmoil, unbelievable uh, circumstances to get here to the United States. And, you know, if you read back on um, some of those testimonies, you know, these kids are just talking about America is the land of opportunity. And I came here to learn and be a part of this dream. Um, And so it really caused a lot of pain when people were denied that access. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went and visited some of these refugees that I helped, and they call me now, still years later, to say, guess what, Miss Elise, I got my citizenship, I'm a citizen now. Some of them have bought homes, some of them are becoming nurses. So that's the power of education. It allows people to Mm -hmm. kind of really be contributing members of communities and create change themselves. Absolutely. So tell me where
0: your career went after that.
1: Sure, a couple of different ways. But um, I eventually landed here in Berks, um, serving as the executive director for an organization that's part of a national uh, movement, helping families experiencing homelessness and youth. I served there a little bit over four years, um, where I really helped kind of create opportunities for housing and unique, unique creative ways to get the community involved and, in, you know, the elimination of barriers and things like that.
0: Oh, that sounds good, too. So as you mentioned, this is our 50th year of excellence here at RAC. And what message would you like to pass on to our president, Dr. Looney, and the RAC community on this historic occasion?
1: I would love to say that I am so RAC proud. This is amazing. 50 years of dedicated excellence to the community. Um, so many lives have been changed. I now serve as a chief advancement officer at YWCA Tri-County Area that kind of embraces Berks as one of those counties. We're doing amazing things, and there are ways that people can get involved. And RAC is what got me there. So Thank you, Rack, And congratulations on 50 years of life-changing opportunities and, you know, a movement, really, to create access to education. Thank
0: you. So just before we finish up... You have to tell me. I know that you said your daughter is starting here at RAC this fall, just started. So what was her decision-making process like when she decided to come here? Did you influence that at all?
1: Um, A little (laughs) bit. I have to say, you know, Desiree has high ambitions. She hopes to pursue a degree in astrophysics. She wants to go all the way up to her doctorate's level so she can do research. Um, She was accepted at amazing schools throughout the country. But the reality, too, is that the cost of education, Education in this country is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and with such a long trajectory ahead of her, um, RAC was just an amazing opportunity to get some of those science gen eds done to create an easy transition into the college world so that when she then goes on to a bigger campus, she feels comfortable and confident. And it's saves us a lot of money for sure (laughs) so she's excited and she was apprehensive at first but last saturday we came and did a tour of the campus and monday she felt great she she was texting me all along but she's already made a couple of friends and she's excited for the opportunities here on campus
0: awesome i'm glad to hear that she's doing well so far so let's close with what advice would you give to our listeners and future students about education and maybe they're facing similar situations to yours where they're they've been out of high school a little bit uh you know, what would you say to them?
1: Yeah, I mean, anyone can do it, really. I could go on with stories of how, you know, my car broke down one week and it was exam week at rack, and I biked all the way here so that I could make sure that I did my exams. Um, I've driven to Westchester with a blanket on my legs because there was no heat in my car. So I say that to say that I think that many people face all kinds of challenges, but really embrace this opportunity. Take every chance that you can to learn, to connect with others, with your peers, with all of the support systems that exist here at RAC. It's a small enough community um, that faculty and staff can create those one-on-one connections with others and you know, really offer tailored support to, to your needs. So grasp these opportunities, become a lifelong learner. RAC has so much to offer and continue. Be inspired to pursue your curiosity and your passions. That can happen here at RAC and beyond.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing. That's great advice. And thank you for being with us today.
1: No problem. It's my pleasure. Congratulations. Thank 50 you. years of amazing work.
0: Elise shared with us today an inspiring story of how you can make a difference at any age, as long as you have the determination to do it. An education from RAC is a great first step to building connections in our community that can help you make a difference. To learn more about the various programs we offer, visit RAC.edu and click Academics to get started. Come back for a new episode each week as we share more stories of our successful graduates. And don't forget to visit our 50th anniversary page to read Elise's story and many others. I am Sonya Rieger on the Reading Area Community College Podcast, and I can't wait to see you next time. Bye.